my body is ready. All of this just works. It just works. Who's laughing now? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 111, the 10 out of 10 episode, should have done that for 110, of the Game Groofs podcast, the all-encompassing weekly gaming podcast from us, the Goodnight Groofs. My name is Matt, and today I am joined by Josh, Paul, and Mike. But guys, we're going to get right into things. Instead of asking you guys how you're doing this week, because I don't give a shit. I want to ask everyone what their peak of the week has been. Paul, you weren't here last week. What was your peak of the last two weeks? What was the best thing that oh, happened to you? That makes it sound makes it sound like it's going to be something really good. Yeah. Um, I just want to say with the episode 110, episode 111, 10, you know, hindsight is 10-10. So it yeah. happens. It <laughs> yeah. happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what happened for me the last couple of weeks? Honestly, it's been kind of a weird couple of weeks. Um, Rachel started her job today at uh, my company, which is cool. Um, but like in the interim, like we've kind of just been like either like lying around being slugs or trying to like being set sluts slugs, dude, oh. <laughs> both slimy, but for different reasons, yeah. slugs because of sex. Um, yeah, but yeah, 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 but honestly, um, <laughs> Uh, it's been okay. We spent a lot of time doing the office, uh, building the office out here because like I was, I mean, it was kind of set up for two people, but not for like two people to be like full time in here. So, uh, this spare bedroom has been outfitted a little bit more. Uh, got a slightly different setup. Yeah. You actually built a complete replica of NBC's sitcom, the office. It's insane. We had to demolish the entire house. Like the square footage wasn't even close on one floor. So we had to like take the split level and like move it into the backyard to fully <laughs> space it out. We hired, we we're playing the roles that we can, but we had to hire people for the rest and it is bankrupting us. It's a good <laughs> thing. We have those two incomes now <laughs> we're yeah. in trouble. Um, so that was peak my week rebuilding the uh, replica of uh, the NBC the office. Very good. Mike, what was the peak of your week? What was the best thing that happened to you? We're 168 hours closer to Starfield. There you go. <laughs> Just did some quick maths there. Do you know what the, the countdown is right now? How many days we have? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> How many days are in the month of August? I had a countdown timer up. 31. But uh, give me one second now. I got I to gotta vamp so I can get it. 28 days. Oh. So close. Well. Sounds like four weeks. But closer because the early access is on the first. Is it actually? Yeah. Do you get that for um, Game Pass or do you have to buy the deluxe? I don't know. I'm assuming you have to buy it. We we briefly <laughs> talked about that yeah, last week. Right. I think that's how they're going to get people to still buy their games, even with Game Pass. Ain't working on me. <laughs> yeah, you say that now. I say that now <laughs> until everyone's doing it. Yeah. Five days early. I mean, that's... Long weekend. Tempting. Labor Day. Oh, it is the long weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're out to get me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. Josh, what was the best thing that happened to you this week? Uh, honestly, it's been an ongoing continuation of things. It's uh, oh. the Rocket League Championship. Uh, <laughs> the Rocket League Championship Series. There we go. That was hard to say. <laughs> uh, it's just been great. It's like the World Championship, so effectively the Super Bowl of Rocket League, and it's just been happening since like August 3rd. So it's just been the best Rocket League players just 
hashing it out, just getting to it. It's it's been fantastic. There's been a lot of really good games, and it's just been fun to watch. It's such easy second screen content while I'm working throughout the day because it's in Germany, so the times are way off. So like for us, it's like eleven when half the matches are starting. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's at the very least I work from home, so I don't have to worry about it too much. But it would be a pain if I wasn't. But it's uh, it's been solid. It's been a lot of fun. Also, honorable mention, wife got a fat raise at work today. Ooh, uh, so that nice. also uh, snuck on in there for the uh, peak of the week. Very nice. Congratulations. One thing that you said, I ha- I'm sorry, I have to go on my my rant now because I have like a pre prepared rant for one of the things that you said. So you said that it's the World Championships of Rocket League. It's like the Super Bowl. So here's my thing. People are always like, you can't call it the world championship when someone wins the NBA, or you can't call it the world championship when someone wins the the Super Bowl or the World Series. It's like, no, you can, because that is the accumulation of the best talent in the world. It just so happens that the league is mostly in the United States, but it is the world championship. It is the best professional team that wins in the world. Now, there are great basketball teams in, in Europe. There are... There are probably great Japanese baseball. I was going to say baseball teams in Japan, but none of those teams could hold a candle to the teams in the major leagues because if Dude, they were so American, but if they right were now. that good, then they, then those players would be on contracts with these other teams in the major leagues. So that's my rant. Maybe it is the world champion. You know more than me. I don't know why I'm fighting you. On this. <laughs> anyway. My peak was finally beating Final Fantasy 16. And then basically, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a long one. I'll talk about it a little bit later. Uh, but then I basically spent a day deciding which game I was going to play next. I, I, it ultimately came down to Kingdom Come Deliverance, Grand Theft Auto V, The Witcher 3, and Final Fantasy 15. Four games, three of which I've all played already a lot and then one which i've already dabbled in kingdom come so naturally i went back and i decided to play witcher 3 again so hell yeah that's that's what we went with i'll talk about it a little bit more in the crazy how short that game is though (laughs) ends of the noon wraith yeah i passed the noon wraith passed it by the way paul's video right now it's stuck on him doing the most absurd (laughs) face I think we may have lost him, actually. Oh, butthole lips himself. <laughs> yeah. Okay, looks like he's back. All right. We're going to move on to Show Me Your Trends. In Show Me Your Trends, I give our panelists the beginning of a Google search phrase, and they have to tell me how the top result ends by picking from three options. One is right, two are wrong. Searches are made in incognito mode, of course. To get the purest answers possible, we're going to play three quick rounds okay round one is peter molly new blank is peter molly new dead is peter molly new working on the new fable or is peter molly new good is he good what is he good is he dead good or working on the new fable <laughs> i think working on the new fable is got to be it because Everybody just associates him with it for whatever reason. Thing is, though, I haven't. I don't feel like there's a lot of like hype for the new Fable. And if Peter Molyneux was working on it, it would be hyped to shit. Like it would be like this is the greatest thing. This is real life, the <laughs> video game. 
I want to know why you said for whatever reason, like he <laughs> didn't create fucking Fable and own for it. some like, reason people are... for some reason he's just tied to it. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, well, as uh, Matt was form was uh, saying the query the prompt. the prompt. Yeah, there you go. My initial thought was dead because I don't know if he's dead. So I'm he's going not. with dead. He's not dead, is he? No, he's still out there making games. Do you know? I was pretty sure he wasn't, but I don't know. He's still out there making games. Fable? (laughs) He's making cool map games. I'm going to go with good because I think people, it's hard to tell, right? It's like he's tied to Fable, but also he overhyped all this shit. So I'm going good. What did you guys say? Uh, I went with uh, uh, involved with the new Fable or making Fable. Okay. And I went with dead. Okay. Oh, right, right. Okay. So he is still... He has a game called The Legacy in pre-production that he that is the quote is it's supposed to be quote very different. Uh-huh. So that's I feel like that's Peter Molyneux just being like it, he's trying to be himself where it's it, the game has to be something completely insane but he's just like tired at this point and they're like what's well, not new? even making anything up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's the crazy shit in their new game Peter Molyneux and he's just like it's very different. Okay? It's wild, okay, dude? <laughs> yeah. It's wacky. It back in 2017. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably not happening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the answer is, is Peter Molyneux working on the new Fable? The answer is no. The answer is no. I do <laughs> wish that he was like, I hope he's at least like in the credits or something, like in the special thanks. He had his time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he Round made Fable two. 3, so... Put it on the fridge. He dies before it comes oh out. Oh, my Whoa. God. <laughs> okay. I mean, he is 64 years old. It's not that old. That's Let really it be known Josh has a voodoo doll right now of Peter yeah. Molyneux. <laughs> yeah. Round two. Why does Geralt blank? Why does Geralt have white hair? Why does Geralt hate portals or why does Geralt have two swords? Wow. I know all the answers. I feel I feel like a true fan. Reasonable <laughs> questions actually. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, I'm going to go with two swords. I mean, that just seems like everybody's always like why do you carry two swords even in the world. People are like why I don't do have two, two pricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I've heard that too many fucking yeah. times. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I mean, like the other ones are, they're all really interesting questions that people have definitely Googled, but I think two swords is like the one that people ask the most. That's why they, I feel like they put jokes about it in the game because it's like, it's so weird. Are you on that one too, Josh? Yep. And Mike? Uh, two swords. I think the whole two swords thing is just like such a subtle, badass part of his character. You just don't really think about it that much, but it is just a really cool addition to his character. It's like, I feel like they came up with it reverse where they were like, oh, it'd be really fucking sick if he had two swords. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, and I go, I don't know, one's for monsters and fuck <laughs> it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The answer is, why does Geralt have white hair? Have white Shit. hair. The trial of the grasses. Well, damn. Round three. Why does World of Warcraft blank? Why does World of Warcraft cost so much? Why does World of Warcraft look so bad? <laughs> or why does World of Warcraft ruin my life? All valid questions. Yep. 
I mean, I don't get looks so bad. Like everyone can chill. It looks fine. <laughs> Retail's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Final Fantasy looks like shit, for God's sakes. Yeah. No, I think Ruin My Life is too easy. Fuck, what was the first one again? Costs so much. Uh, Costs so much. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with that one because, I mean, yeah, the subscription sucks. Yeah, I'm joining up on that. I think there's a lot of people who've considered it over the years and didn't grow up with like this weird concept, and they're like, why the fuck would I pay a monthly fee to one game? We all want to look so bad because it looks like dog shit. You gotta relax, dude. Retail looks totally fine. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. One thing I do want to say, and Blizzard is never going to get any credit for this, but the cost of the subscription has not changed in 20 years, and that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll give them some credit. It's just sad. It's gotten cheaper every every year, yeah. Well, the answer is, why does World of Warcraft cost so much? Cost so much? All right. Who won? I don't know. I have no... I, yeah, I listen to Mike, it's not a game, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not a game. My, uh, <laughs> my wife will tally it up for us. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> my wife. All right, let's move on to the big question. What is a perfect game? Well, there can't possibly be one true answer to that question. A perfect game is going to look different to everyone. Sure, some games are objectively great products and some are objectively bad, but when you're talking about 10 out of 10s, perfection, things get a little bit more personal. So guys, here's the question. And Paul, we're going to go to you first. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) The question is, well, it's multiple questions, but you can take them one at a time. What makes a 10 out of 10 game for you? What do you look for? What do you not actually need? And what are some 10 out of 10s that fit the bill for you, if any. Bro, this is the big questions. So yep. kind of cheating. Yeah. I also wanted to be known when you said multiple questions, I thought you were about to say multiple choice. And I was like, whew, close one. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I, I didn't write anything. I, I thought I did spend time thinking about this, but I just like, I don't, it's a really hard question, but I think kudos to you because it's a great prompt because it made me think a lot um, about that. I don't know if I have any 10 out of 10 games. I, I think I, I have a lot of trouble. Uh, and obviously there isn't, uh, like you said, one 10 out of 10 game, but I have a lot of trouble like staying focused on a single game or like keeping up with it. I think that happens to a lot of us now, especially with like larger scale games that are like kind of par for the course of like what is like one big game, like a big AAA RPG or. You don't think you've played a game that to you is a 10 out of 10? I don't think so, but I'm a tough grader. But I don't know. I, I just think that, like, I don't know if I like... What about movies? Do, would you consider movies that you've seen to be 10 out of 10s? I don't like to rank stuff on the scale like that. Like, if it's like it affected me or I liked it, then it may be. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, well, I'm just saying. I, I don't want to, like, ruin the... Pro- I want to talk about it. I think this is a really interesting prompt. I'm not giving up. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if I would rank something on 10 out of 10. But that being said, I think there are factors that, like... Oh, are you going to give me something? Well, do you think you've played 9 out of 10s or 9.5 out of 10s? Here's the thing, though. I don't like to to scale it that way, but I will say, like, probably, yeah. I'd say there's games... Okay, I I won't scale it that way, then. Let me ask you this. Have you played a game that, to you, you thought was a perfect game? I don't think so. I think there's always something that would be better. (laughs) Another game that would be better or always a better way to make that There's features that I would like more. So it's like, oh, I love The Witcher, and I love... Like, Witcher 3 is up there. That's one of my favorite games of all time. That's true, but you have to think of it in the context of 
there's opportunity cost to everything within development. <laughs> they can't make a game. No, that's I want all my choices. I want every dialogue to have like choices matter, branching <laughs> like, storyline. I like want the art. The 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 restrictions of the art have to be no, taken into account. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, okay. Well, I'll play. I'll play by your rule then. That like that the game the game didn't have any flaws. Like a game that didn't have anything that made me go, oh, sure, fuck this game. sure. There you go. Sure, because it's like obviously it's like always there's things where I go like, oh, I would have done that a little different, or I would have done this a little different. But I'll say, um, are you glad you went to me first? I will say, um, <laughs> Witcher Three was probably like a good example. Um, I would say things that make a ten out of ten game for me, um, is being able to actually immerse myself in the game, which isn't is pretty. <laughs> It's not like it's a very nebulous thing because it does it doesn't stand across every game type. Uh, it depends. I just have to not be thinking about the mechanics too much. Um, so I have to kind of like role play or get involved in some way or something that just like again, I lose my time in. So like a, a casual game like balloons or or something like that where I can just like get really like into the minutia. So it's either all mechanic or it's like all story. I have a lot of trouble with like mixing the two. I either have to like get engaged on one of the levels, but not the other. I think that's fair though. Like you say, you joke about balloons, but yeah. if a game is the best at what it's trying to do, and I don't know if balloons is that, but you enjoy it's it. Good. A game like Vampire Survivors, I'm fine with someone giving that game a 10 out of 10. If they feel like this is revolutionizing things, it is the best kind of product at what it's trying to be. Like something like that, I think, it's fine to give something a 10 out of 10. It doesn't have to be, you can't, you can't hold on to 10 forever. Like you can't just like hold on to a 10. That's like a magic 10. That's going to show up. Like I'm agreeing with you is what I'm yeah, saying. Here. It's it, like, you can't hold out. I don't think you can compare most games one-to-one -one anyway. So we're, the scale that's be, that it's being graded on every game is being looked at separately. Like, I don't think you can compare you can't say like this game got a nine out of 10 and this game got a 10 out of 10. So the 10 out of 10 must be a better game objectively. I don't think you can actually yeah. say that. Dude, it's so tough. This is a head scratcher. Cause it's like, what do I not need? Well, it's like, oh, well, great question. Depending on the game. Uh, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's tough. I, I think honestly for a 10 out of 10, there are a few things that I, I really want. And that's, um, choices. Um, if we're talking like a game that's not like a mini game or a casual game, I'm thinking I need choices in most RPGs or anything where I have like choice in the game, a storyline game. Um, I don't like, I don't want the storyline to be linear. Um, I want like a brand, not, it doesn't to be like a crazy branching dialogue tree, um, but I do like to have a little bit uh, of saying what's going on. Um, I do like to make connections with characters, you know, uh, foster friendships, foster relationships. Um, I like to have romance. I think that's really important. Um, these are things that like, I think there's sometimes games that don't need that stuff um, or doesn't, or don't think they need it. And they probably don't. But when they add that into me, that's like the step up because I'm a, I'm a simp. Uh, so that like really <laughs> adds a lot to me. And I'm, it's, I'm, I'm just cutting myself off. If I don't, I'm trying not to sound too high minded. I just like this shit. And yeah, so I think that's really cool. I think a great sense of exploration. I think a great way to move around is really key. I think like, um, I think uh, traversal is like super duper important. Combat for me is like meh. It just depends. Um, I like a game, uh, again, if we're kind of going to AAA RPGs where combat isn't the focus, traversal and like dialogue are often, if you want them to be the focus, I find like I can play Red Dead or even, even The Witcher to a degree 
um, just kind of like roaming around and getting into conversations and like enjoying myself. And then like, I have to stop once in a while and like hack some stuff up or shoot some dudes, but it's like, it's not the whole thing. It's not what I'm, it's not who I am as a person in the game. I just like, that's a thing I have to do. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. I find if I'm like endlessly grinding combat or I'm just like the whole level and the whole point of where I am right now in this point is like to kill stuff. And then I get to the story and it's like a cutscene, and I don't have any interaction. I'm like, nah, that's not for me. Um, so I think that's really big. It's just like having a lot of immersion, just kind of living in the world and getting to like interact in the world in ways beyond combat. I would say that's like, that's like a big 10 out of 10 thing for me. And again, being able to move in that world in like a really satisfying way, whether it be horses or a vehicle or web swinging as Spider-Man, which again, that game doesn't have some of those things that I want. That would be something that would like blow my mind if you had like a branching story in Spider-Man or I could choose why romance in Spider-Man, not really the type of game would blow my mind though. That would be a 10 out of 10 game for me. So yeah, I think um, those are, those are definitely factors and stuff that doesn't matter to me so much um, would probably be. I don't think like photorealistic graphics are super important, uh, although I like them. It's not going to like make or break the game for me. And yeah, again, like I kind of said, like combat doesn't have to be incredible as long as it's short um, or like easy to kind of to kind of play through. If I want to play a story way, I can play on an easy mode and brush through combat and feel kind of like a power fantasy. But I don't I don't like super care if it's like amazing combat. Uh, but yeah, based on the things that you've said here, I'm curious what is it about because this doesn't necessarily fit the things that you were talking about where does something like halo fit in for you yeah so if, i mean halo for me is it kind of fits more into that balloons td thing um which is that like because i don't find the story of halo super compelling like it's not like i don't like it i liked it like younger and it was fun to play it with like a friend and go through and like experience that movie kind of quality but for me, playing Halo to me is mostly playing multiplayer and multiplayer to me is all mechanics. Like it's all moving around. It feels satisfying. Um, so it's kind of like that. I didn't want to spend too much time, but it's that flip side of the coin where I have different criteria for that. But it has like it has to feel quick. It has to feel engaging. It has to feel um, like I'm getting good power ups or I can like feel like I'm running away with it. Um, and that's like how I feel in Bloons or, or Vampire Survivors or Halo or something where it's more mechanical and less about um, more about like the moment to moment gameplay. And I wonder if your, you might not think of it this way, but I wonder if your idea of choice also comes into play. Like you're choosing what gun you want to use, how you want to get from point A to point B, what vehicle yeah. you want to get in. Like that sort of thing also kind of does come into play in, in Halo. Super fair. Yeah. I think a lot of my enjoyment in those, those shooters and stuff back in the day, especially on like larger map games, like when we play Battlefield or stuff like that, there was a lot of traversal time and like moments where you're kind of like on the battlefield and like experiencing it. That's why I think I liked Halo and stuff a little bit more than I liked COD because it was like fast and twitchy. And I didn't like that as much because I wanted to like dupe around <laughs> the battlefield. So yeah, I think you're probably right in that too. Almost like a sandboxy thing. Just, yeah. just player freedom. Yeah. Josh, what about you? What uh, what are you looking for? What makes a 10 out of 10 game for you? What are you looking for? What do you not actually need? And what are some games that might fit the bill? You know, I hate to add on to this, but I'm not like Paul in where it's like, I don't think a game, you know, can't be 10 out of 10. I just think my criteria is a little different. What is my 10 of 10 is not going to be anyone else's 100%. Uh, yeah. Or I mean, you know, maybe, who knows. But like, for me, it really... It's it kind of comes down to a few games, you know. Oblivion is one for me. Elder Scrolls Oblivion. It's just it was such a door opener for me. Uh, Rocket League is also up there for me. 
and you know, I, as much as I'd love to throw WoW up there, I really can't. It's more about the expansions. So, you know what? Fuck it. We'll say Mr. Pandaria, put it up in its slot, uh, and we'll just have three of them sitting up there. But I, I kind of use that as an example, mainly just because all that really makes a 10 out of 10 game for me is that it resonates with me and it can like grab me. That's really all I ask for. I just find that if I go into something looking for that 10 out of 10 experience, most of the time I'm disappointed when I'm most pleased. I'm just stepping into something with no expectations and I just kind of get to take in the experience. And when the game does a great job of kind of invoking that feeling of just getting you all into the experience, no matter what it is, that to me resonates with me more than like a specific mechanic or a specific part of a game, you know, because mechanics can be used differently, good or bad. Um, but I find that if those mechanics are used to, so I can connect with the game, it just, it just resonates with me more. I like it. Uh, that's why generally what I look for in a 10 out of 10 style game is just really memorable moments like rocket league. I've played, you know, 700 plus hours now. Like I absolutely love it to death. And I've had so many memorable moments with friends solo. Like it's just an absolute blast. The the gameplay is fun, which is another thing I really kind of tend to pin on pin it on. You know, it's 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 just gotta be a good time. If your gameplay's not fun, what's you what are you doing? Like I'm playing a game. Uh and also, honestly, I just I want some last ability with it too. Like, you know, as much as short story games have their place, they're not generally what I go for. So I, I usually like when something can last for a while for me. Um, you know, be it through choices or what what other mechanic that they use to to make that last. And honestly, the most interesting part about this question was what I what I don't need. Yeah, because I, I don't really know. I, my my tastes have really changed over the past. Like honestly, over the past like two years of us doing groups, like I have shifted a lot. Like on the water cooler, I'm going to be talking about Baldur's Gate. Have you asked me two years ago? If I'd be playing a turn-based like game, I'd look at you and say you're fucking nuts. Uh, I just, for whatever reason, like games like that click these days. So I don't know what I need to necessarily make a ten out of ten these days. That's like shifting and adjusting. I I just think it has to kind of connect and and kind of last. You know, Oblivion was one example I used. There's so many ridiculous, memorable moments in that game between the Dark Brotherhood quest line the ridiculousness of how big the story, the main overarching story is like the, the just absurd charm with it. Like there's just so much to remember about it. Uh, and I just think that's something that to me makes a, an impactful game, which to me is, is a 10 out of 10 game for better, or for worse. I really liked what you said about kind of creating moments and having these special moments that you remember because I think that's a big part of it. When I'm looking at, and I'll reveal them soon, but my games that I've played that I would consider 10 out of 10s, all of them are games that I always think about. Like, they're always in my mind because they have these special moments, these unique points in time in my life, but they also provided for these big story moments. Could be big multiplayer moments where shit just got crazy. Could be a moment where like a new mechanic that I'd never seen before in a game wowed me could be a game was so visually stunning that it created this memory in, in, in my head, those sort of things. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think a 10 out of 10 almost has to have that. It's, it has to be this kind of game where like it just doesn't leave your mind because it 
did something special for you that maybe you can't even describe or it, it's it's not even necessarily unique to the game or no one else could have had that same experience with that game. It just happened for you. And for whatever reason, because of that, for you, it's a 10 out of 10. So I'm glad you brought that up. But Mike, what about you? What makes a 10 out of 10 for you? Yeah, my answer is going to be very different from the other two. (laughs) What makes a 10 out of 10 is a game that basically goes out and accomplishes what it meant to do. Uh, and does so in a way that's enjoyable to the person playing it. I'll give an example. I'll give two examples. Like Super Mario Galaxy or Super Mario Odyssey, I would say are both 10 out of 10 games. They go out, they they were made to kind of revolutionize or give a new experience to the Mario formula. They do so in a very good way that is not annoying like all the gameplay feels smooth all the gameplay feels fun i think anyone who plays it that would like a 3d platformer would agree that it's done well and not shitty (laughs) for a game like that you know the story doesn't really matter um though the story is like the little extra bonus sprinkles on top um and i i think they do it fine but then you got a game like this is gonna sound stupid you have a game like Golem, yeah. where their goal was to make you feel like you're Golem, right? <laughs> and they succeeded. However, not fun. Also buggy. Um, like clearly not a 10 out of 10 game. But like when you have a game like that or you have a game like even like Diablo 4, where their goal is to make you feel a certain way, but also provide you with an experience that's enjoyable. If they are able to do both of those goals, one being artistic and one being just uh, an enjoyment factor, then I'd say it's a 10 out of 10 game. Diablo 4, close. Unfortunately, game not fun because their balance team sucks. But, you know, like from a story standpoint, I think it crushes it. From a feel standpoint, I think it crushes it. From a we are an ARPG, um, they missed the boat. They don't really seem to know what an ARPG should look like, especially in Endgame, which is weird because the market has been kind of flush with good ARPGs for a while. One thing you brought up that I I just want to tackle real quick. Mm -hmm. Do you think, and and Diablo 4 is not a good example for this, but Mm -hmm. do you think that a game has to be fun to be good? It depends. I'm not saying that it has to be fun. I'm saying that it has to be enjoyable. No, I know. I I do think that for a game like Diablo 4, because it's very repetitive, you're doing the same thing over and over again, I do think that mm-hmm. has to be fun. But I, it, when you said that, it made me think, I don't think Red Dead Redemption 2 is fun, but I think it's one of the best games ever made. Yeah, but it's enjoyable. You're enjoying the story that is being told. You're enjoying yeah. the environment. Like It has to be... You have to want to go and play it, right? You don't want it to feel like a chore. Yeah. Where I think, like, for me, Final Fantasy fourteen is that I don't find it fun. I find it to be, uh, I don't find it enjoyable. I find it to be a little bit too much of a chore, too much of a hassle. So that that's my basic assessment of a game. Does it accomplish what it sets out to do and be? Like, are you a 3D platformer that is trying to revolutionize 3D platforming? 
Are you a Zelda game that is trying to change the Zelda formula? Etc. Etc. Take like Blasphemous. Blasphemous is a game that I think goes out and does what it wants to do, which is be a punishing 2D Souls-like Metroidvania um, with a really disgusting art style and just encapsulate that like you are a penitent knight and give give just like a almost grotesque atmosphere to a Souls-like. For me, I think they fail in making an enjoyable experience because their boss design kind of sucks. And I know like there's a lot of blasphemous fans out there, but like for me, didn't enjoy the second half of that game because I felt like their boss design went downhill. Um, So for me, that's not a 10 out of 10 game. Uh, The first half is the first half. I would have given it a 10 out of 10 and then it just went off a cliff. So yeah, this is pretty much it. I mean, like in terms of like 10 out of 10 games that I've had in the past, like I'd say Skyrim's a 10 out of 10 game. Wow. Okay. It either is or it's really close. I'm thinking back on it now, and I do have one gripe, but that's but my gripe with. Uh, I don't think you'll get any. You're not going to get pushback from this panel. I think what we no, we, I know. All agree. My gripe with Skyrim is my gripe with like most open world games, and that the main quest line just sucks. So like, I just never. It took me probably 200 hours to get back to actually doing the main quest line, and then when I did, I was like, wow, this was really boring. I'm going to go do other things, <laughs> which. You know, I don't think Oblivion had that issue. I thought Oblivion's main quest line was interesting, but it was repetitive, um, which I didn't like that. Going through the Oblivion gates got really old really fast. It was cool the first like two times. And then I was like, oh, it's the same thing every time. I hate this. Um, So it varies, but Skyrim. Yeah, I put that there. Uh, Portal 2 would be a 10 out of 10 game. It is everything from the feel and handling of the puzzles to the just pacing of everything like if you finish portal 2 exactly like when you want to finish portal 2 it doesn't last too long it doesn't become mature it doesn't become overbearing it just ends when it should which a lot of puzzle games do overstay their welcome um palace principle is one of them i think for a puzzle game category talus principle also very close but for me, it became a hassle towards the end. So that's, that's all I got, really. Um, I don't have like a list in my head of 10 out of 10 games, but I know they're out there. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure like God of War is probably a 10 out of 10 game. I didn't like it, but that's my personal taste. But from the standpoint of what it goes out there to do, I think it nails it. I think it's 10 out of 10 is storytelling. It's narrative driven uh, gameplay. It's cinematic experience. And I don't think, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. I think Ragnarok is probably a 10 out of 10. And I think the first one's probably like a nine and a half um, because they did do a lot of improvements to the combat system, which I think were needed from my understanding. I haven't played it, so I might be talking on my ass. But from what I've read online, they, they tightened up the combat, which was the only thing really lacking. In a God of War game, I feel like the combat is important. So so I, I like that you came at this from sort of a reviewer or like more analytical point of view, because just compared to, to what Josh and Paul were saying, I think that's a, a good way to 
sort of change things up a little bit. I also really like what you said about open world RPGs because that is so true. So many of them, for whatever reason, the main quest line is just not always that great. I think that's one thing. That's one reason why I do really appreciate The Witcher 3 because I do think that the main quest line is good and the side quests are also really good. I would say many of the side quests are actually better than the main quest, but the main quest I do think is still good. For example, in the latest Final Fantasy 16 that I finished, the side quests suck. The main quest is fine. The main storyline is fine, but it really falls into the JRPG trap of it's a world-ending thing and you're fighting gods and that's just like a Final Fantasy thing. They kind of all end up being that way. I don't know if Final Fantasy 7 does, but so far in Part 1 Remake, it, it doesn't. It, you're you're fighting like... I mean, I guess kind of... It, I guess it actually kind of does. I guess it actually kind of does. That's that, that's a pet peeve I have, but that's another that's another story for another time. But I'll go into to some of my things with the 10 out of 10 game right now. So one thing I really look for is great writing. That could be world building, could be story in general. But for me, I think the number one thing is well-written and believable dialogue. It's the same thing for me in movies. The dialogue has to be believable. Otherwise, it just totally takes me out of a movie. Now, we touched on it a little bit, but obviously not every game has a story. Not every game needs one. But it's never not going to be a plus for me and a huge part of what makes a 10 out of 10 game for me personally. There are people who play games that don't have stories at all. Like all they play is arcadey shit or multiplayer games and they have their own 10 out of 10s that don't have any story and that's totally fine. But for me, it's a huge part of it. The, the next thing is something that I'm defining as snappy gameplay. I don't need the greatest combat in the world. Game doesn't even need to have combat necessarily, but I need the moment-to-moment gameplay to at least be responsive and snappy, so to speak. I need it to feel good to play. The game needs to feel good to play. I think that's sort of, with the writing, it's like 1A, 1B with this inventive term of snappy gameplay. And then I want solid visuals to look at. Could be stylized, could be photorealistic, doesn't really matter as long as it's pleasing to my eyeballs. Now, I will say I do really love photorealistic graphics because I I just really appreciate the work that goes into it and just the, the honest attempt to imitate real life as much as possible. I think there's something so cool about that. And when you talk about games like Red Dead or The Last of Us where they get really fucking close, it's really cool. And I, I do th- also think that I've come to find that I I really, really appreciate stuff like pixel art, but I just don't love it in modern games. Most modern games, personally. That is totally a personal thing. I don't know. I just, uh, I just I, when it comes to actually playing the games, it's not... It's it's just not what I'm looking for, but I, I love looking at it from afar. And then finally for me, attention to detail. It's huge, and this can come in different ways. So it could be really smart, crisp sound design. Could be visual details that would normally go unnoticed to most players. Could be proactive quality of life features. Could be ease of access for multiplayer games, so many more little things, but just attention to detail, just developers 
being smart about what they're doing. It's hard to specifically put into words, but it's these, it's these little things where like when you notice them, you really appreciate them. But most of the time you're not actually going to notice them because they were so, it's so obvious once it's in there, but if it wasn't there, you would maybe notice it's, it's, it's like what they talk about when, uh, like officiating in like football or basketball or something like that, where it's like when the ref is doing a really good job, you don't notice them. And then when they make a mistake, you, you notice it and everyone hates them. But, (laughs) but if you don't notice them, then they're actually doing a really good job. Kind of like that. But among my personal 10 out of 10s, they're going to be, it's going to be very similar to what it looked like in our top games list from episode 100 for me, Witcher three, last of us part one, Red Dead Redemption 2, Grand Theft Auto 5, Bioshock Infinite, Uncharted 4, Halo 2, and then some form of World of Warcraft during the Vanilla to Wrath period. These are the games that I think embody the idea of what it means to be a 10 out of 10 to me more than anything else. Mike answered the question though, but I want to real quick ask you, Paul, and then Josh right after, but Paul, do you think that a game has to be fun to be good? Um, I kind of like Mike's answer and I kind of agree. I mean, it's like fun is a subjective term, I think. Like, I don't know. I mean, what would be like the definite? For you, does a game, if you're playing a game, do you have to be like, oh, wow, this is really fun? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's like fun. I looked up the definition because I was just curious. Um, You know, uh, providing amusement or or enjoyment. Um, So, I mean, like there's two sides, right? Like, I mean, obviously some games I find amusing. Some games I find like the traditional sense of fun. Like, it's just like makes me happy and like I'm having a really good time. Um, But I also think there's like fun could mean like um, it's like enjoyable for me to watch a sad movie or enjoyable for me to cry playing Life is Strange um, I wouldn't say that's not a fun, like, it's not like I, I, you know, it's like, oh, I play games for fun. I do that for, that's the thing I do as a pastime. It's something that gives me joy, even though in the moment it may not be the emotion I'm having isn't joy. So I think in that scenario, um, it, it would be like fun in the sense that it makes me, it brings me joy to, or like it, it, to have experienced the things that I play in a game, even if moment to moment, the feeling I'm getting playing that part of a game or that type of game doesn't like give me joy as the emotion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you can separate the idea of fun and then something that's stimulating or engaging. Like I'm actually going to talk about in the water cooler a game that I played that was not fun at all, but it was an experience that I'm glad, I'm really glad that I had because it gave me something, but the game is not fun by any means. I look forward to that. Josh, what about you? Yeah, pretty much a full stop. If it ain't fun, I ain't playing it. <laughs> I just I'm I don't have time for that bullshit. That's the one thing I've learned as I've gotten older and have a little less time to play is if it ain't fun, I ain't messing with it. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to over under. Now, this is the first time we're playing over under in a very long time that's not co op edition, so you guys will be competing against each other. In Over Under, I give the panelists a game title with a fake Metacritic score or a fake number of copies sold. They have to tell me whether the actual true number is over or under the number that I gave them. Review scores are taken from Metacritic, and they're based on the best scoring launch platform. We're going to play eight rounds, and the panelists can make the same guesses, of course, but whoever made the most correct guesses at the end wins. Okay, 
Round one. And again, you guys are competing against each other. Destiny two, a fake score of 85. Who's starting again? Is it me? Um, let's go. It's, here's the thing. It's an even number of rounds, but an odd number of panelists. But we'll start with you. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry, you're saying it was Destiny Destiny 2? Destiny 2, a fake score 85. of 85. Uh, I'm going to... Fuck. Uh, <laughs> I was so... I was just... I was so confident for a split second. Nah, this one's easy. It's, uh, it's over. And then we'll go to Josh. Why not? Bet. I'll, I'll pass it over. <laughs> you pass, it yeah, pass the baton. Uh, I'm going to say under. Are we saying where the fake score is or the real score? I gave you the fake score of 85. You have to tell me is the real score over or under. Okay. I'm going to say under. 85 seems high. Okay. Destiny 2 fake score of 85. Real score of 87. Wow. Hell yeah. Damn. The old 87 got my ass. <laughs> the old 87. All right, round two. The Witcher 3. Fake sales of 40 million. Fucking, it's my go. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say that it's over. And they're like at 37 million or something. What? Wait. You're you're answering if you think the real real number is higher or over. Oh, or shit. Under. My fault. My fault. My fault. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, I meant to say uh, under. Under. Got to. I'll say under as well. I'll say under. All right. Witcher 3, fake sales of 40 million, real sales of 50 million. Holy oh, shit. fuck. Okay, Good well. Good for them. <laughs> God damn, that's nuts. Yeah. Did pretty well. <laughs> All right. Final Fantasy 15, fake score of 80. Mike, we'll go to you first. I'll say over, even though personally I would say under, but... I think people liked it more. Over. Uh, I'm going to say over as well. All right. Final Fantasy 15, fake score of 80, real score of 83. I don't think it's an 83. <laughs> Even though I like it, I don't think it's an 83. All right. Super Mario Odyssey, fake sales of 30 million. Let's go to you, Paul. Over. 100%. It's got to be over. I'll say under. Super Mario Odyssey, fake sales of 30 million, real sales of 26 million. Oofers. Hell yeah. That was surprising to me too. I thought it would be over 30. All right. Next up, Dragon Age Inquisition, <laughs> fake score of 88. Oh. Um, it's uh, real score is over. Mike doesn't want to say under. <laughs> under. Uh, I'm going to go with you on under. All right. Dragon Age Inquisition fake score of 88, real score of 89. 89. What the game of the year, 2014. It's a weak, weak year. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. It was a bad year. All right. Monster Hunter World fake sales of 14 million. Over. Over. I'm just going to go under. Why not? Monster Hunter World fake sales of 14 million, real sales of 19 million. Jeez. Best Capcom game of all time, uh, mm. as far as sales. Sales wise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have Prey. We have two more games Prey, the new Prey. Fake score of 86. Um, ooh. 
I think this game was well received by people, but I don't know if it got, I think it got kind of critically lost. I'm going to say under. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go under as well. A score of 86. Yeah. I'll say over. Prey, fake score of 86. A real score of 84. And that was the high one, right? Because these are the best scoring launch platforms. I think the PlayStation version was like 79 or something like that. Yeah. Jeez. All right, final game. Where are we looking at score-wise? Um, we're looking at me with four and Josh and Mike with three. So, I mean, it's a pretty wow, close okay. game. Last game, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Fake sales of six million. Uh, over. Under. Under, for sure. Fake sales of six million. Real sales of five million. Wow. Five million. Close. Yeah, I think the... Activision marketing really helped. I imagine a lot of people got Sekiro and were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I imagine that happened to quite a few people. All right. So, Paul, you're the winner. You're yes, the big winner. I am. The big wiener. I, what do I get? Big wiener. That's what I was hoping. All right. Let's move on to the water cooler. We're going to take a quick break around the water cooler to discuss the games that we've been playing this week. Paul, let's go to you first. Why not? What have you been playing? Dude, I haven't played jack shit. No joke. I mean, like a little bit. I played some Vampire Survivors uh, a lot recently. I actually really got into playing the mobile version of that. Um, I used to not. I used to have a little bit of trouble with that. Um, I just a lot of crazy shit on the screen. I don't have a tiny iPhone, but I have like the normal sized iPhone. So it was like a little, a little, little, little of a lot. But I was enjoying that um, on PC. And uh, I decided to switch to mobile, and it is a great time. Really great. Um, it also would probably be really great on like a Steam Deck or something. That would be like the pinnacle, but also it's like I don't, I don't need that just to play Vampire Survivors, which is probably <laughs> what I would end up doing if I got it. So fuck that. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've uh, been having a great time. Unlocked some stuff on there that I didn't unlock on the PC version and like in different orders. So it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know exactly how the game works. I, I don't understand it enough, but like, like, I mean, like the progression, but I do random shit and random other stuff seems to happen. And on some playthroughs on like certain, like if I play on PC or console or, or phone, um, I get different shit in different times. So that's kind of fun. So it kind of keeps me on my toes. Uh, but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that while I've been watching uh, the new Superman show. New is in like three years old, but uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, what else have I played? I played, um, I know you talked about this last week on the pod, Matt, but I did play Sea of Thieves with you and our buddy Spencer, and that was a lot of fun doing the Monkey Island stuff. And again, you already went through that. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I missed playing that game. That's still one of my favorite games. It's so cozy. Um, you know, people talk about Stardew Valley. Too much to do, man. I don't want to have to like maintain a farm and then get to bed at night just in time. That's stressful. I just want to be on a ship with my pals playing music. And there's not a care in the world unless someone fires a cannon at me, in which case that's a problem. Yeah. But yeah, no. So that was really fun. Um, I did play a little bit of WoW, but it's not something that I would really need to go into. I've just been playing a little bit of retail, uh, playing some some alts. I did do some healing, actually, um, last night. Um, Rachel was playing. Uh, she's been like altaholicking, as we both do. And uh, I don't know. I just got this urge to play to do like uh, some dungeons with her in retail. And I really wanted to um, like, I really wanted to play like a healer or like a tank or do something like more engaging, I guess, like 
in terms of like being integral to the group. So um, I decided to do some uh, Mistweaver monk healing, which I, I really used to love doing. It's very different now. It actually has like some pretty big meta stuff, I think, where you like play it and then you also like can do tons of crazy DPS that like synergizes with the healing. So I tried to do that because I'm, I'm always been like, so I'm like, I'm so bad that even like, you know, and no one used to even care, you know, if you healed and never ended up doing any DPS. But now people like expect when you're not like when everyone's high health, you should be like doing something and not just standing there. So I tried doing some of that synergistic DPS. It was for, pretty fun. Um, unfortunately, like the first dungeon I did as a healer, um, which I hadn't healed in like years, it's it's brain dead content. But still, I ended up doing the Battle of Dazzar Allure or whatever fucking hate that shit that is the worst dungeon because everyone is so toxic i've never had a good experience playing that dungeon everyone knows exactly where to skip to certain shit and if some asshole pulls the triceratops the fucking tank is gone and then like and then the whole (laughs) thing falls apart you got to reset this they jump down to the t-rex oh now we got to reset it fucking stop resetting shit and then this is always the one where like someone starts like spamming my DPS. This happened to me once and it was the most fucking triggering thing. Rachel and I played and someone had a DPS meter. I, I, I did too, asshole. Someone had details and they just kept like spamming my, um, Rachel's like DPS and details and my DPS and being like, why are you so fucking bad? And then he'd like just spam our DPS and be like, what's this? <laughs> I'd be like, what do you want? We're like level 20. Who get, who, how could you care? How could you care about this? Man, just the most. I and and then I and like another time too. Like just people calling me like a dipshit. I'm like like fucking Daza Allure is just the. It's the only dungeon where I just deal with this shit every single time. So fuck yeah. that dungeon. And I knew it. We queued, and I thought this is gonna fucking be the first thing that pops up. Anyway, it was fun healing. I'll probably keep playing a, a monk doing healing. I fucking love monks. One of my top classes. I know that's like a hot take. Some people really don't like it. Um, I think it's divisive. But um, I don't. I just ignore all the panda shit. And just pretend I'm like some kind of like Dragon Ball fucking dude. And it's like really fun to me to like manage my key and, and shit like that. So yeah, it's uh it's pretty rad. And uh that was fun. But yeah, I'm trying to I'm racking my brain, but I don't think I really did a lot of other major gaming this week. Uh just a lot of casual stuff, goofing around, playing WoW in front of the TV. But yeah, if I if I think of something, I'll, I'll you can cycle back, but I'm I can't I can't think of anything. <laughs> Yeah, people being toxic in leveling dungeons is just the stupidest shit. I mean, you could three-man it. You could not yeah. have any healer, and everyone's going to be fine. Yeah. It's so annoying. It's crazy. And you're right. Uh, Dizarre lore always, always. runs into issues. Always. Josh, what did you play this week? Uh, We got a little spicy this week. We got a little crazy. I mean, aside from the usual stuff, obviously, wow, I play this all the time, leveling a mage. Uh, Moonguard has treated me well. I love it. <laughs> it's uh it's revitalized retail for me i'm playing it a shitload now i'm just full alliance i it was all i needed uh honestly the server's just alive that's really what it is like it feels like og wow in retail it's the best experience you can pay for and i love it to death i'm so glad to hear this from you josh i'm so glad because that's how i've been feeling about moon guard and i'm so glad we were able to share this gospel with you it is fantastic because Thrall is a full server, same as Moonguard, and it is dead as shit compared to Moonguard. Like, it all happens on Discord servers and shit, and I'm just not yeah. about that. I just don't, like, once I get in a guild, sure, yeah, but, like, anything else, hell no. I like the, like, shit posting in trade chat, but yeah, having a good time. It's uh, leveling a mage. I'm level 41, so I'm getting up there. I'm going to have so many level 70s by the time this is all said and done, but I got to re-up. <laughs> I'm not transferring all those fuckers. 
that's way too much fucking money. Uh, but uh, aside from WoW, I played. Oh, whoa, whoa, uh, hold on, hold on. You're you're gonna skip. You're gonna you're gonna move on from WoW without it, talking about your Goldshire Inn experience. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about the Goldshire Inn experience. Uh, so yeah, I wandered in there. So I, I guess for backstory, there's uh, pictures on the uh, Groove's Discord. Join it, by the way. Of of course, the Goldshire Inn being degenerate on Moonguard, as it always is. And you walk in there, and there's just a shitload of druid bears just lined <laughs> up, human centipede style, except they were druid bears. Uh, and it was just the most degenerate shit. They were lined up to the outside all the way into Goldshire, <laughs> right into Lion's Pride Inn, and then it just spread out into this like enema of druid bears. It was like incredible, just magnificent. And then everyone was naked surrounding them. Goldshire is degenerate, and that's why I love Moonguard, is the fact that I can just level up and just go to like Goldshire and just see degeneracy for, yeah. for the fuck of it. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it's so alive, it's it's great. But yeah, other than uh other than uh the degeneracy of uh Moonguard, I played Baldur's Gate 3, which Fave uh Fave gifted for me, and I was like, you know what? All right, fuck it. I got it. Let's do the damn thing. And my god, I'm glad I have. I never thought I'd be the type to love turn-based combat or anything related to this, but I've always been interested in D&D. Um, you know, played it a few times, handful here and there, and I just I've always liked it and this is just it perfected in a video game form. I can't get enough of it. Nice. It is so charming. The story up to this point is just it, it's so well told. It feels like you're in a D&D story, honestly. Like that's that's the only way I can look at it. Like the the story you're kind of raveling through is just really really impressive. Played quite a bit, leveled up with a fave on a bard uh where it's just fucking hilarious because persuasion is just the goofiest thing. You can just <laughs> like you can convince like I was talking to Mike and I told him I could basically like talk the scales off an alligator. A hundred percent. No one can stop me. I go up to anyone, we have a conversation, and, and what's even more fun is I'm like an animal companion too. Like I went ahead and grabbed that spell so I can just talk to anything. And I'm oh. I just had a conversation with a bunch of buffalo uh, or bison. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was, maybe bulls. Uh and we, we just had a great conversation. Two of them were dumb as shit, and one was this enlightened one who thought he was a god. Uh, just incredible shit. Uh, it's just, it's so charming, it's ridiculous, it's funny. Uh, and it, But also, all the characters that you meet, it reminds me of Mass Effect in a way. All the characters have so much charm about them. You already remember them. They're like standouts. You can tell who they are by their character design and their personalities. It's uh, It's really well done, and that's really important in a game where character and their designs and what their characters do from a role, you know, a role perspective is really, really cool too. How, how your party is actually made up, of course, does matter. And, it, and it's fun to kind of utilize those skills together and to see how they work. There was just something so, so cool whenever I was fighting in a room because on my other character, I'm a paladin, but I was on a pally and there was this big flame patch in the room that I had to get rid of. There was just something so neat about being able to cast a water spell and interacting with that and being able to put it out with the water spell. And like that's an important reason to have a mage in the group. Like go ahead and cast some, you know, some rain on the some rain on the fire. Like have have that. It's just it, it's really really neat and I'm uh, I'm really enjoying it a lot. There there's some stuff we've got planned uh, for the channel actually. Uh, and I think it's going to be really funny cuz the game lends itself to such stupidity. I mean, just incredibly stupid, stupid shit. 
you can get up to like I'm just trying to think of some of the dumb. I, I think one of the funniest things I saw like just on TikTok was a hundred percent a dude is talking to his squirrel and then his buddy who's also playing beside him right clicks the squirrel and just kicks him and he fucking explodes mid conversation. Oh, I saw because I, I saw I saw Asmongold react to that clip. And it's it's like it's not just a one off. Like there's even more ridiculous shit that just kind of happens throughout, and it's so fun and charming. The game can be difficult, but I'm picking it up. I'm figuring it out. But it also is like there's challenges that I've done where I've died a few times, and I haven't been pissed off. I just said, "All right, we died. Let's keep doing it." And I've had that drive with this game for some reason. The combat just feels fair, even though sometimes you get fucked on rolls. Uh, but that's just hey, it's D and D. It is what it is. That happens sometimes. But uh, it's um, it's been good. I've been really enjoying it. I'm gonna keep keep on keeping on with it. Uh, and that's really all I've played this week. Did play a little Rocket League just to feel bad after watching all the pros. But other than that, that's about it. Are you only playing Baldur's Gate three with Fave, or are you sometimes going solo? So I'm doing solo. Yep, yeah, my bad. I actually meant to talk about that. So I'm uh, I'm playing solo on a pally. Okay. Um, so I'm doing like almost a rep, rep retribution style paladin. Sweet. Basically, it's like I think vengeance, uh, the oh, oath yeah. of vengeance. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, you're strong as hell. Uh, oh, there's a yeah. little uh, demon you can kill uh, in the first area that drops an insanely good like flame sword. It's Ooh. so fucking cash. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, yeah, the solo story has been a lot of fun. It's just my. I'll have to post a screenshot of my uh, character. I was trying to make him like a blood elf because he's a high elf paladin, uh, but he just <laughs> looks like the fucking Chad meme. It's the dumbest looking shit. <laughs> I, I love him, but he looks absurd. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that, that was really about it as far as Baldur's Gate goes, though. So is the story different if you're playing solo or in a group? No, not necessarily. Interactions may be a little different, but not by much. Mm-hmm. It really just depends on who's uh, walking and engaging first with uh, characters. Okay, very good. Mike, what about you? What'd you play this week? Uh, I played Baldur's Gate and Valorant, and that's it. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of VCT because that's going on. Champions is going on right now. So much like Josh, I'm watching that in between my games of Valorant nice. um, and throughout the day. So it's been good. It's in LA this year, so kind of neat all the games are taking place at a time in which i can watch them yeah so baldur's gate 3 it's baldur's gate 3 <laughs> i'm uh, i think i'm a little less excited about it than scott or scott than uh, josh and favar <laughs> and i'm enjoying it and i like it it's just it's not it's a good video game but it's not dnd like it is in the sense that it uses the same systems and it does do some things that uh, are unexpected. And since Josh isn't here, I'll spoil some things. He may have his headphones on. He may have his not even. On. It's not even a spoiler. It's just a warning. If you play Paladin, um, so in D and D, so usually a DM like judges how your character is behaving. So like if you make a cleric. Or you make a a paladin. Usually the DM is like monitoring how you're doing in terms of like your character. Like if you are a 
worshiping the moon correctly, essentially, because all of your abilities come from the deity or the oath that you made or whatever. Paladin can lose their oath, which I think is really funny that they included because like that's a thing that can happen in a D&D campaign. And when you lose your oath in Baldur's Gate 3, you, you lose your class. You can't be a paladin anymore, which I think oh. is also really funny. Whoa. Because again, that would just happen. If a cleric lost faith in their god, they would lose their abilities to heal and cast their magic because that's just what happened. Makes sense, I guess. <laughs> they they do a lot of good things like that, but I guess for me and you know, if like Jim was listening to this, I think he would agree with me. It lacks the DM. And that's like a big part, at least for me. Granted, I am the DM, but like when when I play D and D with my friends, um, but like it's lacking that director, yeah, in the background. Okay, little little look behind the curtain. DMs all lie about shit. We fudge numbers, we fudge rolls, we cheat, but it's usually in the onus of making a good story and making a good experience for everyone in the like, spirit of fun that's the, the yes. choices should be what is the most enjoyable choice not yes what is the correct exactly choice. exactly so like if if let's say i have someone doing a, a quest and i want to make it feel like he earned his way through the quest like let's say he has to do a puzzle and he has to do an investigation check and Let's say I want him to feel like he's earned it through an investigation role. I won't set like a hard DC like the game does where it's like, okay, it's a DC 15. You got past it. And if you don't too bad, like if he has, if he rolls like a 14 or, or 13 and the DC is 15, but I feel like it's a good experience. If he passes this thing, I'll just let him do it. Like there's not, there's not that che- <laughs> there's not the cheating involved, which to me yeah. is like, it's lacking that fluidity. Like I feel like the game is too in boxes. Um, and something that popped up on my newsfeed kind of pissed me off, and I knew it was going to happen. There's a tier list of where are the best classes to play as in Baldur's Gate 3. The best class to pay, play in Baldur's Gate 3 is the class that you want your character to be. Like yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, I had this conversation with Fave also. Because uh, he was asking me what class I was going to be. And I was like, I don't know. Because I don't know. I didn't know. Um, because I don't know what character I'm making. That's what's more important to me. Is that my character can tell a story. So like right now in my playthrough with my buddy Darkfire. He's playing his rogue archetype that he loves. And I'm playing a character that I made for a D&D campaign like years ago. Uh, just a, a variant of it. I'm playing a drow uh, wizard who has multi-classed into a cleric because basically he's obsessed with power and wants to become a god um, and will use the people around him to do so. Um, And he's a cleric because he believes that he's related to the gods. So he believes that he's brothers with Lolth, the drow god. So like we got to a point in the campaign where you face a drow and you can interact with them, especially me, because I'm just allowed to do whatever the fuck I want at this point because I'm drow. So everyone that there is just like, oh, you're you're a dark elf. Go on ahead. I'm like, oh, cool. So I get to the leader and I talk to them and they give me their reason for why they're doing what they're doing. 
and their reason is not for my god Lolf. And my buddy Darkfire is like, so are we helping them or killing them? I'm just like, oh no, she died. She's a heretic. I don't give a <laughs> shit. She's dead. Why is she worshiping a different god? I don't understand. Um, because the drow culture has one god. It's the spider goddess. They also have a matriarchal society, and I'm a, a male drow to make things more complicated. But yeah, so like that's my idea of D&D. And the game allows you to do stuff like that, but it does feel very almost sterile at times, which is fine. I'm not like upset about it, but yeah, it's very well done. Um, I'm impressed by the amount of player freedom you have, but at the same time, I feel like it's missing just like a, a few little things. And personally for me, I've seen some of the seams and I don't expect Larian or any studio to get every thing correct. But like when I go and talk to Shadowheart and she talks about Gale and how she doesn't trust him because he's a wizard and I'm standing there as a drow wizard and she's telling me this, I'm like, I'm a wizard. What do you mean? <laughs> and then when I first meet her and she's like, you can't trust a gif. And I'm sitting there as a drow known throughout the world as like people who just sacrifice people to the spider God. I am known to be evil. And she's like, you can't trust a gif. I'm just like, who am I? <laughs> like, why are you saying this? So it's just like little things like that where I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. But also I've, I've kind of like accepted the fact that Shadowheart's a fucking idiot and I have kicked her from <laughs> my party. Um, she just sits at camp. She's not allowed to talk anymore. But yeah, I think it's I think it's great that Baldur's Gate 3 did what it did and accomplished what it did in terms of like a D&D game. I think if I were someone who like went to a local game store and DM'd, I would be annoyed partially. I would be partially annoyed that Baldur's Gate 3 did what it did because you're going to get a bunch of people that come in after they've played, you know, 200 some hours of Baldur's yeah. Gate 3. And they're going to be like, I want to play D&D. And then they're going to treat it like a video game. And it's going to piss off a lot of DMs because <laughs> it would piss me off. Dude, the, like the meta gaming from people yes. who have like played D&D only through like yes. video game or oh, it's brutal. Yes, I personally cannot stand meta gaming. I just I'm like, no, with my playthrough, I don't care who talks. Uh, so the way that the talking works is actually interesting when you're in a party. So because I have uh, me and another person, you can essentially assign another companion to your partner. So like I have one companion. My companion is Will. And then Darkfire has a companion. His companion has changed multiple times, but I think we're settling on Korbach. And I can't talk to Korbach. Only my buddy can. So he's controlling his character and experiencing that story and that bonding with that companion and I'm experiencing the bonding with Will. Granted, I can look in and watch his conversation, but he's fully in charge of that character route, which I'm very okay with. I think that's a really good decision um, because that's another thing that as a DM, I get annoyed. If you have a group that has a bard and that bard does all the talking because he's got all the talking abilities, I shut that shit down so fast. I hate that. Which is usually just by building relationships like this person has a relationship with this person. So they'll talk to them and not the bard. So 
you got to do like DM tricks when shit like that happens. But like, yeah, I like that you can almost delegate certain character arcs and conversations to certain people rather than just having essentially for me, Will, because Will's the only one with any charisma, having Will do all the talking is would be really weird and kind of boring. So I enjoy that. And also the game offers so many outlets in every conversation. I can do so much with just being a wizard and a drow and being smart or being a cleric. Like there's so many options that the game gives you. And there's so many silly things that happen because you think, and I I think they nailed this. You think, oh, the game will let me, the game wants me to do this because it's a game, it's a video game. So like, for example, I completed a quest ahead of time. So I turned in the quest. However, I didn't do what the person specifically asked me to do because I finished the quest and then got the quest after. So like I already did all of the tasks, not knowing that it was a quest. Yeah, they were really pissed off at me for not doing it the way that they told me to do it. And they attacked me. I ended up (laughs) killing all of them. I was like, oh, that's weird. I thought I was going to get kudos for doing it early. Guess (laughs) not. So it's just stuff like that where the outcome isn't always expected. That's really good. I think that's really, really good because it's kind of like real life where like you think someone's going to respond a certain way, but you don't actually know until you actually try it. Yeah. I think that's really neat. Also, some of the cutscenes are really funny. Like going to the underdark, there's a spot where you can jump into the underdark and I'm a wizard with Featherfall. I was like, okay, we'll do this. We'll save and jump in with Featherfall and see what happens. My, my partner decided not to wait for Featherfall and dove in and died. (laughs) And they showed a cutscene of him plummeting down and splatting. And both him and his companion died because they both jumped in. And I was just like, okay, we're going to reload and I'm going to load Featherfall. And then we jumped in and it showed a completely different cutscene of us just like gently falling to the, to the cave floor. And I was just like, yeah, okay. I solved the puzzle. That's really cool, man. I, I gotta be honest. You guys are kind of selling me on Baldur's Gate here. I, I, I had it's good. always thought that I would play eventually at some point, but you're really making me want to jump in now. It just sounds so free and talk about choice, Paul. I mean, I know. Let's get it going, <laughs> man. Let's get let's get a game going. I'm totally dumb. Yeah, this sounds fun. And only like half of the companions suck. So that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Talk about choice. <laughs> I can't stand half of them. I'm just like, you stay in camp. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> a few years ago, probably a little bit before we started Goodnight Grooves, Paul and Spencer and I and uh, Rachel were trying. We were we started a D&D campaign. Paul was DMing and it was fine. It, it, it's it's hard to do over. Easy. <laughs> well, no, Paul, I will say Paul did a very good job as DM. Uh, but we just we, we had it scheduled and then we did over time. We just dropped off of it. But it, it was fun. It's hard to organize and like keep it like keep it going. But yeah, it was and, so and, fun and, when we got into the play sessions. Yeah. And it's hard to do it over like video calls and stuff. It's just it's just not the same thing. But I think replacing that with something like Baldur's Gate could be really interesting. Agreed. All right, well, this week, I... Oh, real quick, Mike, you said... You mentioned Jim sometimes. Who's Jim? Uh, Dokoro Jim. Oh, okay. I was like, who the hell is Jim? 
All right, gotcha. All right. So I played Final Fantasy 16. I finished it, finished the game at 61 hours played, did every main quest, did every side quest, did most of the hunts. My main review happened last week. I pretty much have the same thoughts on it. I really liked it, but it has glaringly obvious flaws. But it also does things does things glaringly obviously well. So it's one of those things where it's I kind of wish that they just took another year or two and made it potentially a game of a, the generation, but they didn't. It came out when it did and it's it's a really good game, but it's not great. But I would recommend it. I liked it. So, started playing Final Fantasy 15. I even watched the movie again, King's Glaive, before starting. But then after a little while, it just felt really difficult going back to this immediately after Final Fantasy 16. My wife was even like, do you really want to you want to play another Final Fantasy game right after you just played one? And I was like, yeah, that's it's, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 just kind of in that mood. And I was, but the issue was going back to a game that's you know the visuals aren't as great the combat in final fantasy 15 really is kind of strange so I, anyway i decided to put it down maybe i'll come back again another time i do like final fantasy 15 a lot it just felt very strange going to it right after 16 i don't recommend that so anyway went to witcher 3 this is my first time playing the game and I talked to Paul a little bit about this. My first time playing the game in which the combat was, I will say it was frustrating me a little bit. I've gotten used to it. Paul and I talked about like spamming the dodge button, which I've started doing and I, it feels a lot better. It, it doesn't, I, it feels better in that I'm not getting hit much. It doesn't feel better in that it feels like it's supposed to be played that way. <laughs> yeah, it kind of breaks the immersion to be like yeah. zoop. You almost feel like you're like teleporting around in this magic way, <laughs> yeah. but you do feel awesome doing it. Yeah. This is, I think my gripe is mostly because I'm coming from Final Fantasy 16 where the combat is just insanely polished. Like it's some of the most polished combat I've ever played in a game. It's just so good in that regard. But I will say the quick casting that they added in the next-gen upgrade for the signs, that is great. It feels so good. And the haptics with the dual sense make it even more satisfying. One really weird thing with the dual sense, though, when you sell an item from your inventory, it it's like the most fucking forceful haptics for the entire controller. I don't know why they chose to do that. It's so strange. But like, I just, I don't know, I sell a fucking piece of goat hide or something and my controller shakes so violently it makes no sense but it's the witcher 3 the writing in this game is so good it's so good the cutscenes never get boring they're somehow always interesting because every character is just an interesting person to hear from it's just so well written it's so it's such an enjoyable experience and i'm so glad that i'm back in that world but the main thing that i want to talk about is the game that I referenced earlier that was not fun, but it it's important and it was an experience that I'm really glad that I had. So this game is called The Light in the Darkness. It's a free game. Takes about an hour and a half to play. It's a mostly educational game about a Jewish family from Poland living in France during World War II. And despite the really crude graphics, like just visually so unappealing, and really poor animations, it is an extremely powerful game. 
The game includes actual historical footage and photos from, from time to time. And sometimes that'll immediately follow a scene that just played out in game. So you did something in the game and then all of a sudden it jumps to a, a video of, of the Nazis taking over Paris and climbing up the Eiffel Tower. Um, and it, I, I mostly got it, to be completely honest, because it's a free game and it's an easy platinum trophy. You get a platinum trophy after an hour and a half. But I'm really glad that I did it. I highly recommend it. The ending made me cry. I was bawling like a baby. And PlayStation doesn't typically allow games to award platinum trophies that are so easily obtainable, especially if they're free. But I do imagine they let it go with this one sort of as an incentive to experience this educational game. And I think that was a really good choice on their part. I think everyone should should go try this game. It's short but it's powerful it's highly impactful and honestly it taught me a few things that i didn't even know about the occupation in france so that was like i said the point of the game is to educate and it certainly did that again it's not a fun game but it's it's an important experience well i don't have any other transition for this so i'm just gonna say we're moving on to bang mary kill video game edition <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Speaking of the Christ. occupation in France, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Holy shit. In Bang Mary Kill Video Game Edition, each group is assigned another group prior to recording. That group must then create a list of three games, franchises, developers, publishers, etc., for the assigned group. The list is presented live during recording, and then the fellow group must decide which of the options they're going to bang, marry, or kill. So, bang, you get one night with this choice. Mary, you must engage with the choice on a daily basis and kill. You never get to engage with this choice ever, including future releases. So this week's parameters were developers. Pretty broad, but we're going any developers. So this week, Paul and I were partnered up and Josh and Mike were partnered up. Josh, let's hear yours for Mike first. All right, Mike. I was going to go Mimi, and then I was like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. So you're three are uh, Firaxis, Coffee Stain, and Riot. Ooh. Hmm. Uh, okay. Mary Coffee Stain, Bang Firaxis, Kill Riot. Easy. Let's go. Move on. I've already I've already uninstalled half of Riot games from my computer, so... <laughs> <laughs> wait, that... wait. So repeat that. What did you do again? Mary Coffee Stain, Bang okay. Firaxis, and... Kill Riot and kill Riot. You're done with Valorant. I mean, again, I've already uninstalled half of Riot Games, like <laughs> half of their half of their main games from my computer. So it's just one more. <laughs> Jesus. There you go. I would have so much more time on my hands if I didn't play Valorant. Oh my god. That's true. <laughs> yeah. All right, Paul. Here's yours. Yep. I'm not making it easy for you. Okay. Your three developers are Insomniac. Mm-hmm. Blizzard mm -hmm. and Rare. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to kill Insomniac. Wow. I like the, I really, really like the Spidey games. Like those are cool games, but they'll, they're only going to make a hand, like a couple of those. And then someone else is probably going to take over the license in the next generation of gaming. Like it's not going to be like for the rest of forever. I'm thinking. No Wolverine for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, I mean, there's like stuff I want to play. 
Um, but like a lot of their stuff is like Ratchet and Clank. It's stuff stuff that's good is just stuff that it doesn't like super grab me. For me, Insomnia because it's a big Spider-Man thing, but I th- I think I can can survive without it. That being said, it's like a little tough for me on this one, but I mean, I think I'm going to have to like marry Blizzard because I just like can't <laughs> ever, if I don't come back to WoW once a month, every month without fail, I, like I never ever cancel my subscription, then I'm not who I am. I'm not me. Um, so there's no way, there's no way that I could live without being able to, I, I see a sunset and I go, it looks like Howling Fjord. You're telling me I'm not going to go home and start playing WoW for 10 <laughs> minutes and then on solid again, you've got another thing coming. So I'm I'm the perfect Blizzard customer. I I buy the sub, <laughs> play for like an hour, and then I'm done for the month. Don't even give them any server uh, traffic or, or anything to worry about. And then yeah, I'll have like a fun time with Rare. I mean, like it would be sad to lose Sea of Thieves or like uh, if I mean oh no, Everwild. Um, I definitely think Sea of Thieves <laughs> is like a big uh, a big thing I wouldn't want to lose. But I think like I could have a really really good. Um, weekend or night playing Sea of Thieves with my buddies and 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 like accept that that is it's it's its own experience it's sunsetting so yeah I think I'm good on that. Let's pretend that World of Warcraft outlives us. The servers go on for the point for the for this argument they go mm-hmm. on until until we're all off this planet mm-hmm. because the aliens have come. We're in Mars, taking us away. 2027. Yeah. So, Elon Musk. Yeah. When what age do you think you'll be? In which is it's the last time you log into World of Warcraft. When I die. <laughs> so like you could be 97 years old. I think so. <laughs> I can't, I can't be, de- I mean, so far I've gone, I'd say it's like, boo, let me think logically. It's been 13 years since I properly gave a shit about like properly really played WoW all the time and really yeah. gave a shit. And I still come back like once at the very worst, like once every two to three months. So there's, there, I can't imagine. I don't know, maybe not, but like if we're going by history, ninety-seven. Wow, Josh, what do you think? Uh, you know what? I don't. I don't want to answer this question because I feel <laughs> like I'm gonna be like cursing myself to death because I feel like it, so long as WoW exists, I'm just not gonna quit this shit. I know I'm not. It is too. I have been with my wife for damn near 15 years. Fucking, I've been with WoW longer. You think I'm going to leave it at this point? Hell no. So it's going to have to outlive me at this point. What would you say if I told you, I think I've maybe logged in for the last time? I'd say you're full of shit. All right, Mike, give your options to Josh, please. All right, three options. Blizzard, Bethesda, psionics okay wow that's tough that one actually ow ow (laughs) um shit oh no (laughs) it's funny how much wow carries blizzard because for that lineup i would 100 percent be like all right see you diablo (laughs) okay so we're marrying blizzard let's just get that out of the way holy shit this is awful yeah it's this tough. is horrible. I just, I'd have to, I'd have to get one good old more romp and Fallout Four and fuck it, and yeah. then poor, poor Psionics Rocket League is going on, going out back. Uh, you can, you can, you can wait for your one night stand with Starfield. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, I just, yeah, I feel like I gotta go with Bethesda. It's, it's been there for me. It's, it's been my, it's been my side chick to my Blizzard. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> All right, Paul, lay him on me. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to uh, give you some really good ones, Matt. We're going to start out strong with Sonic Team. Oh, Jesus. Going to start out strong with Sonic Team. <laughs> um, we're going to move into uh, Blue 12 Studio. Their, uh, their only game is Stray. Only game they made. What the fuck is... <laughs> And uh, we're going to uh, end this up with uh, Tate Multimedia, the developers of KO the Kangaroo. Oh, my God. Amongst other games. Okay. Mostly that. (laughs) Okay. So KO the Kangaroo. Yeah. Feel free to do some research. That's okay. Yeah. So KO is the only thing that I'm looking at that I recognize from Barbie looking games or something. Yeah. Blue 12 Studio. Doesn't even have a wiki. They just did just Stray. Stray. Just Stray. Okay. And what was the first one? Sonic Team. Okay. So I'm killing Sonic Team. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. You're killing them. <laughs> I'm killing Sonic Team. Nothing if not consistent. I am going to marry Tate Multimedia because... No, <laughs> wait. Sorry. I'm going to bang Tate Multimedia. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll just deal with ko for one maybe i'll you know it's one of those things where like what is it like uh you know like uh like a like a four turns into a seven or an eight i'll just dr- I'll, I'll drink myself to the point where i can get through ko the kangaroo the grenade as they used yeah. to say in the jersey shore yeah so i'll drink myself through ko the kangaroo and then blue 12 studio never played stray i think i would not hate it though yeah so I'm going to marry Blue 12 Studio. And here's game the Game of the Year thing. contender. Game of the Year <laughs> contender. Yeah. So they have a great game under their belt. And there's a lot of, there's way more potential there than Tate Multimedia yeah. going forward. So maybe the next few games could be, could be some, some stunners. And, and, and obviously, yeah, Sonic Team is long in the, uh, long <laughs> in the grave at this point. I'm sorry, Mike. All right, well, let's move on to a special shout-out. Each panelist is going to give a special shout-out to anyone or anything of their choice from the world of video games and provide a quick reason why this lucky someone is getting this attention. Josh, your special shout-out, please. A special shout-out to the brain in Baldur's Gate 3. It's it's really cute. To the who? The brain. The brain. Yeah, in the beginning of the game, you pull out a little brain fellow out of some poor bastard's head, and he (laughs) follows you around. Aw, what? You can kill him, you can befriend him. Excuse me, what's his name? I can't fucking remember what his name <laughs> the is. The brain. <laughs> Pinky. The bra- yeah. Then clearly you don't actually like them because their name I is ha- Us. Oh, that's right. Oh. It's Us. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're adorable. Yeah. yeah. Goddamn adorable. Do you get to have them as like a companion? No. No, uh, they. <laughs> I haven't seen them since, but no. I, maybe I will again. Mike, your special shout out. Uh, special shout out to Sonic Team for making a game better than Stray, but still getting killed off. Yeah. Wow. What if they made? I need the Stray mod where they replace the cat with Sonic. Yeah. A photorealistic Sonic. Yeah, of course. A blue hedgehog. The proper animation. Yeah, and the proper uh, proper functions sexually. Oh, your special <laughs> shout out, please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, realistic Sonic sex game. Um, no, what am I? Um, realistic Dragon MMO, science based. Um, yeah, no, my my <laughs> shout out is to uh, Tom Kalinsky, 
the uh, the CEO, former CEO of Sega of America, and the man who uh, the man who helped usher Sonic into America and created a lasting legacy that never would have happened otherwise. So he'd shout out to Tom Kalinske. If you want more info, read the Console Wars book. Super good. That man should have been arrested. <laughs> Imagine I told you that he was. How bad would you fucking <laughs> yeah. feel now? Uh, justified? Yeah. A special shout out to the writing team at CD Projekt Red. I don't think they get enough credit, as weird as that sounds. The Witcher 3 was janky at launch. Cyberpunk was broken for many at launch. But the writing has always been the best stuff you can find in the industry. And sometimes sometimes adaptation is even more difficult than creating something original. You can look at the Witcher uh, Netflix show uh, for a good example of <laughs> uh, why it's so difficult sometimes. So uh, shout out to them. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Game Groups Podcast. One more shout out. <laughs> sure. I'd like to shout out P- Peter Molyneux for not being dead. Oh, oh yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Even though his Happy career is. When's his birthday? <laughs> I don't know. We should, it, should, it should be a Groove holiday. That would be great. Oh, can I get one more shout out real quick? <laughs> sure. Shout out Henry Cavill. Um, you tried yeah. your best, bud, but you can't get blood from a stone. Yeah. May 5th and... Uh, yeah, May 5th. Soon. Bigger. And according to Baldur's Gate, you can get blood from a stone. Oh, spoiler. If it's sharp enough and you squeeze it hard enough. Mm. Are we still talking <laughs> about the same thing? <laughs> a stone? Yes. <laughs> What's an OBE? Doesn't that mean he was knighted? Yeah. Peter Molyneux was Empire. knighted. Uh, you can get the order without being fully knighted. There's levels to the order. Oh. Sure. <laughs> Why'd the queen do it for sick video games? Yeah, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> for the sickest fucking games. She was really <laughs> hyped for goddess. Goddess. She said, or fuck, I, I love the pause menu in Fable 3. It was just a whole separate video <laughs> game. Really hype about Project Milo. Yeah. Do you guys remember Milo? Oh my I God. I do. Yeah. That, from Atlantis, uh, like, uh, that went over well. Yeah. No, it was a uh, it was a connect AI oh, thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> say no more. Yeah. I say less. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Game Groups Podcast, the all-encompassing weekly gaming podcast from us, the Goodnight Groups. Now, if you really like the show, check out Patreon.com/slash/GoodnightGroups, where we currently have two different tiers available. Any and all support is greatly appreciated. And we'll go a long way in improving everything here at the Goodnight Groups. The $3 plus tier, though, does get you access to the show two days early. Wow. Yeah. A special shout out, though, to the honorary groups supporting us in the $5 plus tier. Matt just passed a kidney stone. <laughs> Andre D, <laughs> Cole T, Derek versus the world, James B, James S, and Jeremy R. A round of applause for them, please. Woo! We also ask you to take a couple minutes to drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Tripped over my words there a little bit. Everything else. Make sure to check out goodnightgroups.com for all of the content. It's all aggregated there. You're going to find the podcast, Southern Fried Groups. Everything is over there. On the website, you're also going to find a link to the community Discord probably the most important link on the website where you can hang out with everyone, get the quickest updates and chat with everyone on a daily basis. You can chat with Jim who was mentioned before yep. on a daily basis. Chat with Darkfire. Chat yeah. with, uh, I don't know, one of us, I fucking guess. Yeah. Is Darkfire on there? 
think so. All right. Chat will moot. Yeah, oh, moop. moop. Moop is rare in the chat. In fact, yeah. I'm saying right now, like I think I think Moop would be fine with this. Just DM Moop anything you want, anytime, <laughs> day or night. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> anything. Before we, before we get out here, guys. Big or small? Do we have any final thoughts? Join us in 271 days for the holiest of Groof holidays. Peter Molyneux's birthday on May 5th. We're giving away free PS5s. Be there or be not. His 65th birthday, is that right? 60, it's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, that's why we're giving away 65 PS5s. Make sure you're there in 271 days. So, I gotta be honest. <laughs> he, he's not doing that much right now. What if we invited him on the show? Do you think he'd come on? We have almost. We have over 200 days to find out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That'll do it for us here today, yeah. gentlemen. D DM Moop if you uh, want to know more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Take care, everyone.